Good evening and welcome to the Independent News Hour. I'm your host, Amba Gregarian, Associate Editor of the Independent, New York City's free leftist newspaper and website. We are in street newspaper boxes and libraries all around the city, and you can find us online at independent.org. That's I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T.org. And I just wanted to mention that usually it's myself and the editor-in-chief of the paper, John Tarleton, on the web, uh, on the web, on the radio sorry what am i saying but john tarleton my co-host is not here today i'm going to very quickly get into our first segment we are going to be joined by alu members that's the amazon labor union who are struggling hard to organize amazon warehouses across the country because we started late today as reggie mentioned we are unfortunately not going to be able to speak with one of our guests who is seth goldstein um the one of the pro bono lawyers for the amazon labor union seth you're here with us now you have to leave in one minute um could you just Tell us a little bit about the importance of this wave of organizing in Amazon warehouses. And can you share with us the good news that we just found out coming from California? You're muted, Seth. Absolutely. Um, lawyer. Uh, what's going on here is, again, an um, increase in organizing that's i believe is being spurred by gen z and gen x um um workers who have decided that they really are are tired of being told by the corporate bosses what to do and you can see that at amazon at starbucks at um rei um and trader joe's and other places as well this is a huge surge of organizing and today I can announce that in Marino Valley in the Inland Empire, um, another ALU um, uh, organizing drive has started and members have filed a petition. Right. That means that members have filed a petition to vote for a union election and a National Labor Relations Board sanction election. That means that they had over 50 percent of the workforce in the California warehouse uh signing union cards saying, yes, I want to vote. I want to have a union election. I want to have the chance to get better rights, essentially. So, Seth, thank you for joining us very quickly. And sorry about our technical issues. Um, We can leave it there because we also have a very new ALU member, Sarah Chaudhry, with us. Um, Thank you, Seth, for joining us. Okay, so welcome, Sarah, to WBAI. We're very happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So Sarah Chaudhry is is 18 years old, but she has been, uh, what we've heard is that she has been organizing very fervently with the Amazon Labor Union up in Albany. So for a little background information, the Amazon Labor Union was formed in Staten Island, uh, formed by workers at Staten Island at the JFK warehouse, which is one of Amazon's largest warehouses with six to 8,000 workers roughly. In 2020, when the pandemic first happened and Amazon was not handling it right, according to the workers, they weren't getting PPE, they walked out, they formed the Amazon Labor Union. And the Amazon Labor Union has since won a union election at that Amazon warehouse in Staten Island, JFK 8, which is the first ever union election won. And um, 
we have another election coming up now here in Albany and uh, workers have been organizing more or less since July towards this election. And the election is tomorrow. It's the 12th, 13th, 15th and 17th. Right, Sarah? That's correct. So mm-hmm. workers can vote any of those days. And there's an approximated, it's rough because there's always different numbers from the workers and then from the company, but an approximated six to 900 workers there and talk about what it's been like organizing workers on the floor, what the feeling is like going into this election. All right. So organizing workers on the floor, well, obviously it's a bit of a tough crowd especially after Amazon's union busting, captive audience meetings, that has just been filling everyone with anti-union propaganda. So I've been met with, um, I've been met with several concerns and sometimes, and I've sometimes been shouted at and that uh, I was trying to take people's benefits away, but I just had to persevere and tell them the correct information and um, show them the union side. But of course, it, of course, when you're also on a time crunch, that can be a bit of a challenge. Right, because you're, you're organizing while you're working, correct, Sarah? Like you're on the line or you're packing and you're talking to the person next to you. You know, lay it out a little bit for people so they know what this really means to have an independent union that is worker led. Well, the thing is, we are using our limited breaks. We have two 15-minute breaks and a 30-minute lunch break. That is when we are allowed to to organize without the without the fear of retaliation. So that Mm -hmm. is very limited time. And there's also times after work or right before work, or we can we can host our own events, which we have been doing at local restaurants, and invite our coworkers to participate. Right. And and that's an important part of it, too, right, is talking to people at work, but also outside of work and forming relationships with people. And there was a, um, a rally yesterday up in Albany ahead of the election. And you spoke and you spoke very well. I encourage everybody to watch that video. They can watch it at the Amazon Labor Union on Instagram. Um, and you were talking about some of the stories that you have heard from workers um, you know, just talking to all these people, doing the organizing, talking about what it's like working there. Share some of those stories, Sarah, and tell us why you got involved with the union too. Yes, actually. Actually, a lot of a lot of my coworkers are single mothers who are struggling, who are struggling to pay for their bills. After all, fifteen seventy an hour is not much and the benefits are mediocre at best for example mm-hmm. health insurance is a copay and deductible it's not fully paid and of course one of my co-workers who i've gotten to know a bit a bit better was told he has a heart condition and he was told that since he doesn't have enough time off left he would have to keep working even though he told amcare amazon care that he was not feeling well and of course, since he was not feeling well, he ended up passing out, you know, in the corridors, like on the fork, like um, in the spaces where forklifts were going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And his heart stopped for a few seconds. And of course, he had to take time off work without pay. Mm-hmm. So that's another story that has motivated me that I'm not just fighting for myself. I'm also fighting for my- for um, my for my coworkers and my friends, 
and about my story um i've had to lift my i've had to lift myself up from a from a situation that i was not happy with a lifestyle i was not happy with so mm-hmm. i did something about that and part of part of it is um is relying on this job but as you know 1570 is a starvation wage so and of course i've witnessed the I've witnessed the unsafe working conditions even in my department. I am a packer. I pack boxes and I've I've noticed that items have almost fallen on us or that includes heavy items or that conveyor belts would stop working, tape machines would stop working and that also poses right. a safety hazard when workers have to, you know, put their hands up in the equipment. Right. And let's talk a little, a little bit about that sir because um at at that same rally yesterday one of your fellow ALU members was speaking about how uh Amazon is categorized as a retail center and uh they file as a retail center and really it should be a warehouse because the work you're doing is warehouse work the limit is apparently 50 pounds of lifting but many workers have reported that it's far more than that and Amazon we know hires a lot of disabled people elderly people so people who might not you know really shouldn't be lifting over 50 pound um, weight, which, you know, a, a healthy person shouldn't either without the proper training. So there's obviously a lot of issues with safety, with maintenance, all of this. Something that came up uh, last week was on Tuesday night, there was a fire, a cardboard compactor, which apparently had been smoking, according to workers during that week, went finally burst up into flames on Tuesday night. And uh, the workers essentially staged a spontaneous sit-in and actually, we're going to go do a, a clip of that um, sit-in, if we can, Reggie. Can we go to that clip? technically wildcat action which means it wasn't technically sanctioned by the union the workers on their own started acting they sat in at the human rights office i think 80 workers have been suspended um and so that was a a moment there and then we have you guys voting to to unionize tomorrow and then we have this announcement that in san bernardino there's a warehouse that is filing for an election. Um, there's there's a lot going on right now, but the, the crazy thing is that there was not just a fire at Staten Island the same night. There was also a fire in uh, near Huntsville, Alabama. There'd been a fire at that same warehouse the week prior. They were evacuated. They're not involved with the union, but we'll see if maybe they want to be now. And then there was a fire the following night in Albany, and that was also because of a compactor. Um, that's that's what I've heard. Right. Week. So this is all deductions here, but obviously maintenance is not going great, especially if it's the same thing, you know, going um, being unmaintained in, in multiple warehouses. And, yet, you know, you have to notice that in two of these three fires were at Amazon warehouses that are unionized. So I think maybe they're spending more time union busting than doing maintenance. Can you tell us about what it was like for the fire to erupt on the floor and how workers responded? 
Well, um, I was not at work because I worked. Oh, you were not at work. Okay, sorry. I thought you were. Well, tell us what you've heard. Well, what I've what I've heard was that the the entire wall behind the compactor caught fire. So definitely containing the fire was something that wasn't that wasn't um, done properly. And um, of course, my shift the next day was closed, unlike JFK eight, wherein they had to call a strike. And I am sure that strike has influenced the decision to close us down and make the right decision. Mm-hmm. And apparently, it was. Apparently, it is under investigation, the causes of the fire and fire safety issues. There actually is a letter from, there actually is a letter listing these fire safety concerns and these fire safety, you know, concerns that have been reported to management yet ignored. That was supposed to have been like easily accessible for the workers to read, but the only Mm. place where I've seen it is for, you know, just a short amount of time, maybe two to five seconds or so on a TV as I'm walking to work, to my Mm. workstation, so. Okay. Okay, well, we just have a minute left here with you, Sarah Chaudhry of the Amazon Labor Union Local 2 up in Albany at the ALB1 warehouse. Sorry, technically in Shodak, 10 miles outside of Albany. Um, But uh, don't want to provide any misinformation here but uh we have one more minute so just tell us uh uh your final comments going into the election tomorrow and a message to any of your coworkers if they're listening going into voting yes so of course amazon has not listened to our concerns when we say the warehouse is past capacity or we're understaffed or one we're under trained but if you vote yes for the union and and if we are able to negotiate a contract that finally puts the pressure and the legal obligation on Amazon to make our voices heard and make our concerns addressed. So to address our concerns. So that's, those are my final words. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. Sarah Chaudhry of the Amazon labor union. She's a young fervent organizer up there in Shodak. So we wish you the best of luck and we'll check back in um, as the election goes on. And we'll hear those results on the 18th. So everybody should be following us or Amazon Labor Union on Twitter or on Instagram to find out uh, how that's going. Solidarity. Thanks. Solidarity. Thank you. All right. We're going to go to a short music break here and we will be back with Brooklyn Eviction Defense.
that's in my heart Remove all the bars that keep us apart I wish you could know what it means to be me Then you'd see and agree that every man should be free That was Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free by Nina Simone. Welcome to the Independent News Hour. Welcome back, I should say. I'm your host, Ambigir Garian, Associate Editor of The Independent, New York City's free leftist newspaper and website. My co-host, John Tarleton, is away this week. Before we jump into our second and final segment of Brooklyn Eviction Defense, which I'm really excited for because they have been forming tons of tenants associations across Brooklyn since March, I'm going to talk a little bit about this station and then the the paper that we represent. So I want to encourage everybody who can to give generously to WBAI to help keep shows like this on the air. And that's something you have heard so many times. But, you know, I have a, a, an interesting, well, I think hopefully many of our hosts have this identity, but I am both a host and a reporter and an avid BAI listener. So whenever I'm driving around in my car, I'm listening to BAI in the morning. If I'm walking around, I'm listening to BAI. And it can get frustrating to hear five minutes of pitching. But if people who can give, give money, we will have to pitch less. It frankly works like that. So please, if you value WBAI, if you value the fact that we are the only station on the air that produces independent news and culture coverage, then please send us some money. You can send us $5. You can send us $5 a month. You could send us $10 a month. You could sign up to be a WBAI buddy with this radio show, the Independent News Hour. If you love us, that's for $10 a month. And there's a bunch of perks that come with that, like a tote bag and access to old BAI archives. So please donate or become a buddy. And here's the information to do so. You can call the phone number 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950 or go online to give the number to WBAI.org. Again, this station is invaluable. Maybe some of you are noticing like I have that during this Antenna maintenance up at our antenna at Times Square uh, when there is either dead air or uh, stories being read that you probably miss 
your regular announcers, your regular hosts, the music that you listen to, the great interviews you get pre-COVID, the incredible live music that you would have. I mean, we have been, this is where, you know, uh, the roots of BAI are the same as the roots of, uh, of uh, well, the roots of BAI go back far far earlier they go back to 1960 but essentially democracy now amy goodman would not exist if pacifica and bai did not exist bai goes back to 1960 my father played music on bai back in the 80s it is an institution of new york and we need your money so please support the station that you listen to all the time call 212-209-2950 or go online to give the number to wbai.org and donate donate five bucks ten bucks fifteen twenty four hundred if you can ten monthly whatever you can one more time that phone number is 212-209-2950 give the number to wbai.org and keep us on the air we are committed we want to stay here we spend sleepless nights preparing our radio shows finding guests to come on this is independent media in new york city broadcasting the greater New York area. Thank you for supporting us and thank you for listening. And one more time, that phone number is 212-209-2950. 212-209-2950 to donate or online at give the number to wbai.org. And before we talk to our incredible tenant organizers that should be on the air with us here very soon, I just wanted to share some exciting news with everybody because we have the October issue of The Independent. That is issue number 274, and it is ready. It is out on the streets. We distributed it today, so go find the closest red and white independent near news box near you. You can also reach out to us um, on our different social media pages, on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can email contact at independent.org to find out where the closest box or library that distributes the paper is to you. And it is a free paper. So take advantage of that. Share the paper around. Um, be, be conscious of that. Help us out if you can. And uh, check out our new issue it's really exciting we have some uh provocative cover with amazing art done by tyrone wallace one of our illustrators you know we're also the only free paper that offers art and and photos so visual analysis in the way that we do all over the paper along with our well-reported analysis we have stories um addressing the migrant influx here from southern states we have stories about city workers retired city workers losing their health care we have stories about what's going on with labor organizing at amazon about what's going on with tenants organizing. Uh, we have a great piece um, about the unfortunate event that Reese Beach, the gay people's beach, queer beach, down at Jacob Reese Park is closing because, well, you have to read the story. <laughs> but the hospital there is being is being torn down. So pick up a paper. And also, I wanted to make a quick announcement that we are looking for a new intern. So if you are apt and interested in 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 being an intern with us and helping us out with some of our coverage which interns get to do with the independent it's great and helping out with some of the behind the scenes stuff too please just contact us or if you know someone contact us that's contact at independent.org so contact at 
I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T.org. All right. Now let's head into our last segment. I think that we have at least one of our bed tenant organizers on the air. So I'm gonna, gonna start, start it out here, uh, and give you a little background information uh, on what's going on with them. So Brooklyn Eviction Defense is, is a group that began in July 2020 around an eviction defense at 1214 Dean Street in Crown Heights that mm, some of you may have heard about. Um, it was quite a conflict, quite a struggle there. And, and for the first couple years that Brooklyn Eviction Defense, uh, was, uh, a- around as this autonomous group of organized tenants fighting for, for tenants' rights and to assert their rights. Um, they were doing a lot of eviction defense because the housing crisis that has existed in New York before COVID and really intensified during COVID was calling for that, um, calling for defending uh, people who were getting evicted illegally during COVID. And they were also assisting people and just going through sort of this, some of the red tape legal stuff to avoid eviction. Now, they've broken out into a new field, which is organizing tenant associations. And since March... This is exciting news, people. Since March, Brooklyn Eviction Defense, known as BED, has helped form 24 tenant associations and three tenant councils, which a tenant council represents, uh, like all of the buildings that a certain landlord, uh, uh, controls. So one of those tenant councils has reached over 20 buildings. So we have like 40 different buildings, over 40 different buildings organizing tenants getting together and most of these groups are expanding says bed the group so we are really excited to talk about that and 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 how that happened and why it's happening and how we can make more of that happen uh for 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 the rest of the show so we have holden and nicolas who are core organizers i should say very committed members of bed holden and nicolas welcome welcome to bai thank you for having us yeah. Hey, thanks for having us. So excited. Yeah, absolutely. So break down what's going on. Tell us, you know, I kind of said it, but these associations started popping up in March. How did that happen? Why? Um, yeah, I could try to tackle it. Um, yeah. I and think... you guys just, uh, you guys riff. just go back and forth. Yeah. Cause, we're you know, riffing. We both know a lot. We're, we'll riff. We'll riff. All right. Jazz, all right. So tell, baby. Yeah. tell us, Holden, it started out, you know, how did it occur? Why? Um, yeah, Holden, if you want to go into like the ch- the changing conditions and what necessitated uh, our original formation and kind of what necessitated the orientation shift. Yeah, so originally our organization coming out of the George Floyd uprisings, uh, we emerged when there was like a uh, an eviction moratorium in place. Mm-hmm. And so... What, what that made happen was like that, that what, there wasn't so much no evictions happening, but the evictions that were happening were pretty much all illegal. So these are evictions that are happening through harassment, through, uh, actual like fraud pretending to evict people and mm-hmm. sometimes through attempted force. Um, mm-hmm. so for a lot of our early days, we were really just kind of running around and confronting, uh, bad, landlords uh really in the street and then what happened was when the eviction moratorium came to a close 
the sort of flood of, of Marshall-led, Marshall-executed evictions was, uh, it really, and still is overwhelming. And we've always, we've always, we've always said that, uh, an organized community, an organized block, an organized neighborhood is the best form of eviction defense. And we sort of had some sort of, uh, internal organizational reckoning and realized that we really just need to start organizing more buildings, more communities and, and through that, we can defend against a lot more evictions. Yeah. And like, I would add that like a, a large part of what we were doing was like kind of like inculturating um, like a sense of like uh, tenant self-determination and like as the tenant, as the protagonist in the struggle, like really trying to um, get tenants who would call us and come to us for uh, solidarity, like get them to understand that like they can like stop. Um, these evictions and stop these landlords from harassing them and intimidating them as long as they are willing to like assert their innate power as protagonists in the situation. And like what that would mean is like getting involved with like different community groups, like joining bed, like what's something we would always encourage tenants to do um, to like retain that sense of community and to give it back um, to other tenants who are facing that and kind of creating this like reciprocal um, self-sustaining and self growing kind of you know organization and then so like naturally obviously that was like okay how do we formalize that like we were organizing buildings but it wasn't in a sense that it was like okay we're going to start a tenants union that is going to be a permanent fixture in these communities um that will kind of tether all of these disparate um you know instances of evictions and landlord harassment kind of together in like a project of building power and i think that's really where we're at now Right. And, and so how do you start a tenant association and what is a tenant association? And, you know, what is the relationship between a tenant association and a tenant union, which bed now has bed tenant union? Um, because, you know, we're on the air broadcasting all around the greater New York area and a lot of people don't know their rights as tenants and it is not their fault. But tell us tenants association, tenants union, what are those? And how do you form oh, yeah. a tenants association? <laughs> Um, a tenant association, a tenants association is a collective of tenants living in the same building, uh, or in the same complex who get together and, uh, <clears throat> organize together and, uh, build leverage and sort of assume control and stewardship over where and how they live. Um, it's really, we really understand tenant associations to be, uh, similar to, labor unions as mm -hmm. like really, really on the ground uh, democratic sort of formations that are really the sort of elemental aspects of any larger sort of socialist project. Right. And, and Nico, Nicolas, well, to add in there and then essentially, um, sorry, just quickly here. And then uh, the relationship of association to a union is that multiple associations are uh, associated with a union. Yeah, Nicholas, if you want to, if you want to speak on that. Yeah. And yeah, just to add and maybe to expand into that question, um, like, yeah. like I, I like also like to talk about like what an association or union is not like an association cool. and a union isn't, um, kind of just this, um, uh, organ that you use, um, to like, uh, you know, get some con concession or some um, uh, conciliatory uh, 
remediation in your building done. Like it's not something you just go to when you have a problem. Um, it is something that you um, are constantly trying to maintain. It's something mm-hmm. with, with which is health needs to be constantly checked on. Um, you need to, you know, try to constantly get more and more people involved um, to have like a collective say in what's going on when you're deciding, uh, you know, how you're going to, uh, how you're going to live, how the building is going to be run, how it's going to be maintained. Um, like this is a long-term project. It's not something that has like an end goal. Like our mm-hmm. end goal in reality is like, you know, when workers, worker tenants have full control over where and how they live and we're a long mm-hmm. ways away from that. And yes. the only way we're going to do that is by connecting our struggles together. Um, and that's what a union does, right? A union connects the like, uh, individual struggles of that specific association in that building or that block, it connects it to a broader, um, a future facing project of like liberation. Um, and also right. just like self-determination, control, power, all of these, you know, really elemental kind of questions of, of, you know, how, how do we maintain our agency and our sovereignty, um, as people in, a, in an oppressive society, how do we take that back? Um, and the only way we do that is by connecting along, like, you know, these class lines. Um, and so a union is, you know, just connecting all those people to have a real, you know, uh, chance in, 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 in fighting back against a really stacked uh, situation, you know, with the, you know, real estate capital and all that. Right. And and before we go into some anecdotes from these different tenants associations that are popping up and the struggles in those different buildings, uh, just one comment from one of you quickly on sort of the importance. I mean, to continue what you were saying, really, Nicolas, the importance of having organized structure of resistance around the city and different locales, um, mm-hmm. even when it seems like, you know, the big street protest or the revolution or whatever you want to call it isn't coming tomorrow how pre-organization is the only way that that will ever happen. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would, I would love, I, I think we could both hit it. I can do it quick. Yeah. So like, um, a part of this is like making people conscious of yeah. their ability yeah. to enact change. Right. Um, and so what we're trying to do is make tenants conscious of their innate capability and their innate power and that power is only really actualized when you collectivize like that's our power as working class people is that we are the literal masses right and the masses have power when they organize and so we're not just trying to make tenants you know join the association we're trying to make tenants become organizers tenants become class conscious workers and ultimately socialists that are trying to, you know, overturn the, uh, you know, inherent uh, exploitative structures of, uh, uh, you know, embedded in capitalism. Yeah, well said. Um, I think maybe the only thing I would add is just that these organizations and this sort of working class infrastructure that like historically has really existed in this country and around the world, but for the last like 30 years has been uh, fully suppressed and invisibilized. Like these, this infrastructure is increasingly important. Like as, as the, the, the sort of uh, array of crises that are impending, right? Like the, the sort of explosion of, of street action in 2020 in response to certain crises, like these crises are going to keep happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not in the clear by any means. Mm-mm. And we understand tenancy and like the tenant movement to be a particularly 
fertile place of, of crisis and contradiction. Real estate is the largest industry in the world, right? That's uh-huh. where all the money is. That's where the contradictions are most pointed. Um, and so the organization is imperative. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, uh, you know, everyone feels the, the presence of real estate in New York City. Um, and especially now more than everyone rents are really high. A lot of people have rents that are going up a thousand bucks a month. I think everybody knows somebody who, who, who has one of those horror stories and uh, there's a lot of space in the city and it is owned privately and people are struggling and you can see it. So I think you guys are doing the right thing, but let's continue and talk a little bit about, um, well, let's talk about holding the, the TA that, that you've been working in. Um, with that is on rent strike as of October 1st. Can you tell us about that? I, I believe that's the building Nicolas is. That's is the one. Nico- sorry. I'm sorry about that. Nico, okay. Nicolas. Um, yes. Right. So, so that um, is a building that you are working with. Tell us the situation. You're on rent strike. How's it going? How'd you get there? Totally. Um, how we got there. Um, so the tenants, um, in this building have been living under mismanagement, um, and disrepair, um, you know, just kind of like just wholesale neglect, intentional neglect on, on the part of a landlord, um, kind of like a big real estate company that, um, bought, um, bought the building and a whole suite of other buildings, um, fairly recently in the past couple of years. Um, and since they t- have taken over, there really hasn't been any upkeep of the buildings. There's been, you know, it's it's kind of uh, characteristic of these big kind of uh, portfolios is that it's hard to reach them. It's hard to get them to do anything. It's hard mm-hmm. to even track down where their offices are. Right. Um, and so um, and so these tenants have been living uh, a lot of these tenants in the building have been living without gas. Uh, and so proper ability to like cook and stuff like that since May. Uh, some of them have electric, uh, stoves, which mm-hmm. I, I would argue is still not, um, still not, uh, accomplishing what the lease they signed, um, for was like having that warranty of habitability and those essential services, which is gas. Like, you know, the, the, the building is really old and they've been recently, I'll get to that later. Um, so because of that, we started organizing the building. They reached out to us. We started talking to neighbors. There's a whole host of uh, different uh, demands that they also have, like including pests, um, timely repairs, just, you know, uh, uh, more kind of communication. Uh, and so we sent the demand letter. We gave them a timeline to answer it. They didn't answer it. They didn't do anything. And so uh, the tenants went on rent strike uh, and have been holding strong since that rent strike uh, has happened. The landlord has um, responded by um, trying to do like piecemeal work on the the uh, uh, apartments or the units that don't have electric stoves and are like not suited, like their breakers are not suited for the voltage of electric stoves mm-hmm. uh, and the infrastructure of the building in general, I don't think is suitable for that um which is why they have you know gas uh Mm -hmm. but uh so they've been trying to do these like piecemeal um repairs or upgrades as they call them they've been leaving a huge gaping holes in people's apartments um because you know they're trying to figure out how to do this on like a piecemeal ad hoc way rats have been like coming through holes in the walls they've been like taping up uh the holes in the walls with like you know uh plastic wrap and stuff like that lying about how long it's going to take 
Um, and so unfortunately, those are like the tenants who like, you know, maybe we didn't reach or didn't know how to respond to this. And so since then, we've, you know, uh, kind of come together to like refuse the repairs until we talk as a collective. We have a meeting tomorrow. And uh, gratefully, uh, we have a couple of lawyers from Take Root Justice going to meet with us because potentially we're thinking about um, filing a 7A proceeding, which would basically evict the management from the building and mm-hmm. a court appointed manager who would actually do the repairs would be um, uh, appointed to the building. And also uh, the buildings are most likely uh, the building is most likely illegally destabilized, which is another uh, kind of uh characteristic of this big portfolio they've been buying a lot of buildings that should be unstabilized uh but are probably illegally destabilized Mm. so that's like a big that's a big part of our our fight going forward too well we'll definitely continue to follow that but that is something that um other groups also uh of autonomous tenants are are associated with other tenants unions around the city that's there's been a rise in popularity of that of take if trying to file to take back the building and i just quickly want to add we have one more minute here and we got to wrap it up but i want to quickly add uh a little bit of know your rights info which is that uh, a rent strike can seem like a very radical thing, but uh, if you haven't been having gas since May, correct me if I'm wrong, legally, you do not have to pay for rent. And so that's an issue that's affecting the whole building. Yes. I mean, yeah, you have you have a, a right to a habitable home. Uh, right. those, those are things that were granted uh, that hard fought, hard fought rights. Um, and so, yeah, you're 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 paying for something that you're not getting. Uh, and so you're you're allowed to not pay if the land the landlord is in breach of that contract. Right. They're supposed to give you that. And if they're not giving you that, what are you paying for? Right. And there's a lot more about your rights as a tenant that you could learn through bed. You can find them. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, on Twitter at Brooklyn Defense, on Instagram at Brooklyn Eviction Defense, and online at what is it, BrooklynDefense.org? Brooklyn Eviction Defense.org, yeah. Online at Brooklyn Eviction Defense.org. That's Brooklyn Eviction Defense. Uh, connect with the organizers, learn your rights. Uh, and assert your rights. And as uh, Nico and Holden said, this isn't even just about bettering the hole in your wall. This is about bettering your life and um, and your society, which sounds really cheesy, but I think is important <laughs> to think about um, in, in days like these. So Nicolas and Holden from Brooklyn Eviction Defense with newly formed bed tenant union. Thank you so much for joining us on WBAI 99. The Independent News Hour. We'll talk to you again soon. And uh, that's a wrap for today. I just wanted to thank Reggie Johnson, the incredible sound engineer that helps out with all the afternoon shows. Um, Reggie, thank you. And I'm going to leave it with a little Theo Parrish who just came out with a new album while as always dropping new music and this is Dance Alone and I really like it. So enjoy. Do I soothe you? Tell the truth now